And now, a message from Pastor Josh Carmody. This morning. And so we're glad uh, you are here this morning. And uh, we've been going through the book of Galatians. Everybody say Galatians. Galatians. And this is the book that, letter that Paul wrote to the churches in Galatia. And uh, he was writing to them about the gospel of Jesus Christ. That there was one gospel that uh, is to be proclaimed. And uh, the churches of Galatia were perverting and twisting this gospel and adding things to it and making it a gospel that was not uh, the gospel that Jesus Christ died for. Um, the gospel can be summed up pretty quickly in Ephesians 2. Verses 8 and 9, it says this, For it is by grace, everybody say grace. It is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. And so it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And the churches in Galatia were trying to add to that, that not only do you need belief in Christ, but then you need to do all these other things too, or you need to follow the law, or you need to follow this just right. And so they were adding to this gospel message, and Paul said, no, 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 stop, stop, stop. That's not the gospel message. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is a gift from God. That's a good thing. A gift's a good thing. A gift's a good thing. All right. Everybody ready this morning? All right. Thanks, John. Uh, It is a gift from God. There it is. And uh, so last week we talked about accountability. We talked about being responsible for our actions. Paul talked about this in, the, in Galatians chapter 2. And, and we talked last week about showing favoritism, how God does not show favoritism. You guys remember that? And we looked at a rock on the screen. It was an ugly rock, but it was a geode. And when you broke that rock open, there were pretty crystals and colors on the inside. Just like it is true with all of us that we might look a little rough on the exterior. Some of us more so than others. I'm not pointing out, any, I'm not looking anywhere. But on the inside, there's something beautiful that God has made. Something wonderful that God has created. And we need to take the time to get to know others because there's beauty in all of us. And so that's where we were last week. That's what we talked about last week. And uh, this this morning we're going to pick up in Galatians chapter 2 here in a minute, verses 11 through 16. But before I get too far into that, I hope, I hope that you guys understand the importance of reading your Bibles. I hope you understand the importance that we're going through this book of Galatians and we're taking every last bit and we're going verse by verse by verse by verse. And it's going to take us until August or September. I don't remember, but we're going to get through the book of Galatians. But I want you to understand something. We're not just doing it to fill time on a Sunday morning. Like, you don't come here and sit in the comfortable seats and take a quick little nap and hear a few things every now and again just to take up space. That the Bible... Man, it is alive and powerful. And there's words in here that can help us out. I want you to know that just this week, it's just a Monday night, it's a normal night like any other night. And I had my cell phone and got done having a conversation, a text conversation with someone. And uh, throughout the process of this conversation, there was something that was said in there, and it wasn't even bad, but it was something in there that someone said to me. And when I read it, I don't know if you've ever had this or not, but it's like, everything just like I could feel everything like just a gush of just like overwhelming like doubt and despair and just from a text message and there wasn't even thing anything bad but I mean it it took away my joy it took away my peace like it was just this feeling of just utter failure 
and despair and it's like what am I even doing my wife will attest to it I mean I normally I'm the kind of person that gets seven or eight hours of sleep every night my pet my head hits the pillow and I am dead to the world I am out I got three and a half hours of sleep that night this text message just it was like just this flood of emotions like someone turned on a fire hose you know just knocked me over Anybody know what I'm talking about? You ever had that? And it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I mean, just hit me like a ton of bricks. And I, I lost sleep that night. And thank God, the rest of the week, day by day, it got a little better. It got a little better. It wasn't until, honestly, Friday morning, or was it yesterday morning? When did I run? Yesterday morning. And I, I, was, I was running, and I was just praying, and I was thinking about these things, and this, it was just... I, my sleep came back, but I would, I would think about I would wake up thinking about it. And it's like, what is your deal, man? Like, this is not you. You don't do this. Like, what is going on? I'm telling you, it just messed with me. And I'm running, and I'm thinking about this stuff, and just, God, what is, I can't have this in my life. Like, this needs to be gone. And, and he showed me that just through this little simple text message that there was still some insecurity in my life. That there is still some insecurity about who God has called me to be. There's still some insecurity in my life that was brought out from a little text message. And I was running, and I heard, you know, plain as day, he said, I haven't called you to be great, I've called you to be faithful. He said, I haven't called you to greatness, I've called you to faithfulness. And a lot of times we've been, we read that scripture, Pastor Mike, a couple weeks ago, don't be, so, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we can be conformed in so many different ways that it's like, well, I need to do this, or my life needs to count for this, or if this doesn't happen, then I'm worthless or whatever. And God said, you know what? I don't need your greatness. I need your faithfulness. He said, I don't need you to chase after what the world thinks you need to chase after. I want you to be faithful to do what I've given you to do. Amen. You know, there's the story of the talents where this, this wealthy man leaves, goes on a trip and leaves money to all these people. And to someone he leaves, a talent is a, a measurement of money, but he leaves them five and to someone else two and to someone else one according to their ability. And then he comes back after his trip and the guy that had five doubled it and made ten and the one that had two doubled it and made two and the one that had one, he just went and buried it in the ground. He said, I buried it. It's over there and you can get it. And what he said is to those who doubled the money, he said, well done, good and faithful servant. Thanks for taking what I have given you. Thank you for being faithful with it. Thank you for doing that. Well done, good and faithful servant. And then he gets to the one with one who just buried it in the ground. And he said, you wicked and lazy servant. What is your deal? <laughs> you are wicked and you are lazy. I gave you something. I entrusted something to you and you were not faithful with it. You buried it in the ground. And I want you to know, God has not it was something that he said, and maybe it's good for you, maybe it's not this morning, but God hasn't called us to greatness. He's called us to faithfulness. And when you feel like a failure, when there's doubt, when there's struggles, when there's those things come, listen, be secure in who God has created you to be. It doesn't matter if you're the five talent or the two talent or the one talent or three and a half talents or 45 talent or whatever it might be. He created you to be you. 
And he said, I've given this to you to be faithful with. Now be faithful. And he spoke this to me as I was running. And some of you might think, well, how could God speak to you when you're running? Because I have to distract myself somehow. <laughs> he said, be secure in who I've called you to be and be faithful in what I've given you to do. Be secure in who I've called you to be and be faithful in what I've given you to do. And I don't know if that resonates with anybody this morning or not, but I want you to know that it helped me a lot. And what's that have to do with the Bible? What's that have to do with reading? Well, we're talking about Paul and what he's doing in the book. And this, this chapter, this book helped me out this week because Paul was a pretty secure person. He was secure in who Christ made him to be. We're going to read some scriptures here in a minute. He called out Peter. Peter walked with Jesus. Peter knew Jesus. Paul, all, he, during that time, he was persecuting the church, and he was killing people, and he was dragging people out of their homes and persecuting the faith. And here's Peter who walked with Jesus, and we're going to see here in a moment that he confronted Peter face to face. A pillar in the church. If that doesn't say something about being secure in who God's called you to be, I don't know what it, what it does. And not only that, he was faithful. You read about the struggles. I got a text message. Oh, poor Josh. Paul was beaten and left for dead multiple times. He was shipwrecked. He was out in the middle of the, the, the waters during storm. He was, he was snake bit. He was persecuted. I mean, Paul went through so much, and he calls them light afflictions, and my whole week derails because of a text message? But you know because you've been there. You, someone said something or something's happening, and it just shakes you to the core. But Paul was faithful. No matter what happened, he kept on moving forward. So let's read this scripture this morning out of Galatians 2, verse 11 through 16. But when Peter came to Antioch, I had, a, I had to oppose him face to, to his face. For what he did was very wrong. So here's Peter. But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face. For what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterward, when, some, when friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from those people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy. And even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. And when I saw that they were not allowing the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter in front of all the others, Since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? You and I are not Jews by birth. You and I are Jews by birth, excuse me, not sinners like the Gentiles. Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. So we have some scriptures in here in Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 through, the, through 16. And this very first part that comes out but when Peter came to Antioch I had to oppose him face to face for what he did was very wrong how many of you have ever had to deal with conflict how many of you have ever had a situation where you knew that you needed to deal with this and how many of you are like yep love conflict I'm ready for it let's go I'm on board there's a few of no nobody really how many of you are like well maybe if I just ignore it it'll go away 
Where are we at? Okay, so that's where I'm, I'm dealing with. Okay, so um, he, he lays out, there's a, a show that I like to watch, and uh, they had just got, come back from church, and, and the son asked the, the grandma, I was like, did you enjoy service today? And uh, they said, I don't know, that preacher talked too much about forgiveness. They said, some people don't deserve to be forgiven, right? And, uh, and so there's conflict. There's something that's been said that the pain of an unresolved conflict can be greater than confrontation. It can be, the, the pain of unresolved conflict can actually be more painful than if you actually go and confront something. And so this idea of, of confrontation, this idea of conflict, a lot of us want to shy away from it, but here's the thing, the pain of unresolved conflict is often greater than the confrontation itself. And so here we have Paul, who says, I had to oppose him face to face. I had to call him out on something because what he was doing was very wrong. And so in the scripture, we've been given kind of an idea of how you and I can deal with conflict in a positive way. Everybody say positive way. Because you can handle conflict in a bad way. You can add gasoline to that fire and make it even worse. Or you can add water to that conflict. You can add water to that tense situation. And what's water do? Puts it out. So let's read a couple scriptures here in Matthew chapter 18. It says, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. So you've been offended. There's an offense. There's something that's happened. There's conflict. There needs to be some confrontation. So if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. Yay, right? But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. And then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat the person, this is a little harsh here, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector all right all right so we've been given by jesus a very simple outline for handling conflict privately something happens you're offended conflict privately go to that person i like how paul did it it says that he uh, he uh let me read it so i don't mess it up he said, but when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face. So he didn't text him. He didn't email him. He didn't get on Facebook. Say, Josh, none of those things existed back then. All right, fine. Oppose face to face. So you go to that person. And don't text them. Don't email. I don't know if you've noticed this about text and email. There's not a lot of emotion that you can get back and forth. Sometimes things can be misunderstood. Anybody ever been misunderstood through a text message or an email, right? So go to that person privately. Talk to that person face-to-face. -face and say, hey, here's what happened. Here's where the conflict. Here's the offense. Here's what's going on. And if that person recognizes it, and most of the time, this is all it's going to take. Say, hey, I'm sorry. I had no idea. I had no idea I'd done that or that I'd said that or that meant that to you. Hey, will you forgive me? If you can? And it says they confess it. And then, hey, all of a sudden, you're friends again. That wasn't so bad. 
right? We hype it up in our mind that it's like, I just don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can deal with this. I don't know if I should talk to this person. And, and yes, you absolutely should face to face. A bad way to handle conflict is to, is to jump online or on social media and just blast somebody or blast a church or blast a type of people or whatever it might be. Best thing to do is go to someone face to face and confront the situation. If they refuse to listen, the Bible says bring a couple people with you. Now, do we do that so we can say it's all of us versus you? No. No. That's also a bad way to handle conflict. We all think you're dumb. <laughs> right? I mean, you think that's going to be well received? No. Why, why would we bring more people with us so that there can be people there who can moderate, who can mediate, who can be objective witnesses, who can maybe help try to resolve the conflict? If that still doesn't work, the last thing you do is you can bring it to the church. You can talk with a leader. You can talk with a pastor. You can talk with someone here at the church. I've tried that before. Sometimes it works. It doesn't always. I'll get a call from someone. Hey, I've tried, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and we've gotten nowhere. And I say, hey, come on in, and we'll talk about it. Sometimes they show up. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they show up, and we work through it. And sometimes they show up, and we still don't work through it. And it happens. And the main point in talking about these things is that we want people to be restored. We want relationships to be mended. But we also want to protect the unity of our church. We also want to protect the unity. If there's people in the church fighting, we want to protect the unity of the church. And so it's important. I like how Paul, he says, I just had to take care of this. What he was doing was very wrong. And so he confronted it face to face. So if there's something you need to confront, if there's somebody you need to talk to, maybe they have no idea that they've offended you and you're bitter and you're angry and you're upset with them, listen, you need to stop that and you need to go talk with that person. Talk with that person and resolve that conflict. So what Paul was pointing out to Peter is that he was being a hypocrite and that other people were following him. And you kind of read it in the scriptures when I read it. You saw it that Peter, who was Jewish, was eating with Gentiles. So basically anybody that was not a Jew. And he was eating with them. And it was no problem. And he was hanging out with them and laughing and having a good old time. Until some of his other Jewish buddies showed up. And then when they showed up, he's kind of like, what? I don't know those people. I'm hanging out with you guys. I don't know what... I wouldn't, I wouldn't hang out with them, right? And so he's removed himself from those people. Now today, you and I, we all have those people. And hopefully that list is growing smaller and smaller. Hopefully your heart is growing bigger and bigger and your love for those who are different than you is growing all the time. But we have it happen today where this word hypocrite. Have you guys ever heard of that word hypocrite? That word means an outward pretense masking an inner reality. The Greek word here means stage actor or pretender. So to be a hypocrite means you're being a pretender, a stage actor. It's an outward pretense masking an inner 
reality. For example, if you leave the church today and you see someone smoking in the parking lot, chances are you'll see that. And you say, oh, smokers. And you have your little thought. You have your little thing that you say about them. Then you get in your car and you drive away and you light up a cigarette. <laughs> hypocrite, right? That's what it means to be a hypocrite. Is you on the outside, you show one thing, but on the inside, there's something else going on. You're driving to church and everybody's mad. You're fighting with the kids, you're fighting with your spouse, maybe you're just fighting with yourself. You're having one of those days. Life is not going well for you right now. But for some magical reason, the tires hit the brand new, beautiful parking lot out there. You guys like that? That looks pretty good. Thank you, Kyle Banker. And your tires hit it, and now all of a sudden, PTL, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Everything is good. Everything is awesome. I love Jesus. Jesus loves me. Right? So there's something else going on on the inside, but we get to church, it's like, but this is really what's going on. Sorry, it's a little hypocritical. You can come to church and it's okay and be like, someone asks you, how's your day going? You're like, honestly, it's bad. Will you just pray for me? I'd rather you be honest than be a hypocrite, right? And so he's calling them out. Paul's calling Peter out and he says, you're being a hypocrite. You're being a hypocrite. I found myself the other day, I say stuff all the time, like we love you and accept you no matter who you are. No matter what you've done, no matter who you are, we love and accept you just as you are. You hear us say that every now and again? We say it because we believe it, don't we? We do. I found myself in a situation the other day where I was like, what is going on with this person? Like, I don't know where they were coming from, but I had a hard time loving them in that moment. Because I didn't know what was going on. And it was just like, and I had to catch myself. I'm like, Josh, why are you judging that? It's like, well, it's obvious I'm judging them because, right? And it's like, stop it. You love this person. God created this person. They're here because they need a savior. Quit judging that person. It's so easy to be a hypocrite. It's so easy to fall into these things. Why is it? Why is that so easy? Well, check this out in Jeremiah 17. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Man, look at that. And that woohoo, pump you up this morning. The human heart. The human heart's the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? So why do we do deceitful things? Why are we hypocritical sometimes? Why are we judgmental? Why do we care about what other people think? And so that changes the way that we act and behave? Because our heart is very wicked and deceitful by nature. All right. We'll move on from that one because there's good news. <laughs> We've been given a new heart. Look at Hebrews 10, 22. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him, for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. So just because our heart is deceitful and very wicked by nature does not mean that our hearts can't be changed. We can approach God with sincere hearts. Well, how do we do that? 
How do, we, how do we approach him with sincere hearts? By offering our lives to him, saying, by grace we have been saved through faith. It is a gift from God. And so we say, God, I accept your salvation. Change me from the inside out. And the work that he did on the cross, he took the sin upon himself and he sprinkled us with his blood. He washed us in his blood so that we can be forgiven. We can be set free and our deceitful, wicked heart can become sincere. And so we can approach him with sincere hearts and we can be pure and we can be undefiled by the things of this world. In exchange, Christ died on the cross. He became our sin. He became everything that's wrong for us. And in exchange, he gave us his purity. He gave us his righteousness. He gave us his heart. Amen? Amen. So we don't have to be people who are hypocrites. We don't have to say that we love God and we love others and then leave this place and just yell at people. We don't have to be hypocritical. We don't have to allow deceitfulness to be in our heart. We've been given a new heart, a sincere heart. And I like this last little bit that Paul was talking about. He said, you and I are made right with God by faith in Jesus. You and I are made right with God by faith in Jesus, not by obeying a set of rules. Jesus makes us righteous. Jesus puts us in right standing with God, not our obedience to a set of rules and regulations. No, no amens on that one. Jesus makes us righteous, not our obedience to a set of rules and regulations. Look at 2 Corinthians 5. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. For God made Christ who never sinned. Jesus Christ never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Jesus Christ. Christ is sin. Christ has never sinned, and he became sin so that we could be made right with God. Because here's the thing, no matter how good we are, no matter how bad we are, nothing that we can do can make us right with God. Nothing you and I can do can make us right with God except believing in Jesus Christ. Amen except receiving his salvation, receiving the work that he did for us on the cross. That's what makes us right with God. You say, but I'll just obey all these rules and I'll just do all these things and I'll be the perfect Christian. I'm sorry, they don't exist. They don't exist. I thought that I was a pretty secure individual. I didn't think that a text message would derail me and give me a bad attitude and I didn't know that could happen. We're not perfect people. We make mistakes daily. And that's why his mercies are new every morning. Every day we get new mercies. Every day is another day that says, Jesus, I am a sinner, but I thank you. I've received grace. And because of that grace, I have faith and I believe in you. And I thank you that you have set me free. Christ never sinned. He became sin so we could be made right with him. So does this mean that we can sin all we want? Does this mean that we don't have to obey or that there is a thing? Listen, it's not about doing right and doing wrong. It's about how can I live my life for Jesus Christ. 
I am so thankful for what Christ has done for me. It's not how can I toe the line or what's right or what's wrong, but it's like, God, I want to live my life for you. And out of that desire to live our life for him, we obey the things that he's asked us to do. It's not a license to say that just because God forgives us and has grace for us that we can sin and do whatever we want. Look at Romans 6. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? How can we continue to live in it? So our righteousness, it comes from God, not what we do. We should do our best. Everybody say best. We should do our best to obey what God wants for us, but it is He who makes us right. We want to obey Him out of a heart of love, thankfulness, and gratitude. So this morning, as we begin to close, do your best this week. Do your best this week to resolve any conflict that might be in your life. People you need to forgive, someone maybe has offended you, do your very best to find them, to seek them out pray about it and resolve that conflict look at them face to face and deal with whatever that may be live honestly don't live as a hypocrite don't say one thing and do another don't put on a facade when there's something else going on on the inside go back to what we talked about last week and be accountable for your actions be answerable for the things that you do and the things that you say talk to someone and say help me I've got this wall, I've got this facade, but there's honestly something else going on on the inside of me. And I'm done living like that. I'm done being a hypocrite. I'm done being one thing one place and something else somewhere else. I just want to be who God's created me to be. I want to be faithful with what he's given me to do. And remember that your faith in Christ is what makes you right with God. You cannot gain his love you cannot gain his acceptance you cannot earn it he loves you regardless the only thing that makes us right with god is believing in jesus christ and receiving his salvation amen this week as you go here in a few moments take a weekly study guide off the front of the table we went through these scriptures pretty quick open up your bible app or open up the church's app and get a study guide. Listen, I'm telling you guys that the Bible pulled me out of a funk this week. I mean, my wife prayed for me. I told a few people here and there. The Bible pulled me out of this funk. The words that were written thousands of years ago. And yeah, the Holy Spirit brought those to remembrance and He was there. But I'm telling you, the Word of God is alive and powerful. You learned nothing else today. <laughs> That's okay if you didn't. Learn that. The Bible is important to our lives. If you want to change, if you want to be transformed, if you want to fix that awful thinking, read God's Word. Read God's Word. It's a lamp to our feet. It's a light for our path. Read God's Word. Hide God's Word in your heart so that you won't sin against Him. What about in Joshua 1.8? Study this law. Study this book. Look at this thing. Get it inside of you so that your way will be prosperous and you'll be successful in all that you do. I mean, the Bible is important. If you hear nothing else today, do this. Grab a study guide. 
pull it up on the church app. Dig into your Bible this week. Read Galatians chapter 2, 11 through 16. Pull out of that what God wants you to see and to know. But let's be a church that reads our Bibles. I know you do, but do it. I'm serious. Read your word. Read the Bible. For more information on New Covenant, contact us at 3318 Fifth Avenue South, Fort Dodge, Iowa, 50501. Or you can call us at 515 955 6222